Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 4, Greek to Me. Mary, what happened this week? David and Donna's radio show doesn't get a lot of callers because, you know, they're on the air while most people are sleeping. That is, except for their supportive friends, Brandon, Brenda, Kelly, Andrea, and Steve, who call in regularly because they're sweet babies. David and Donna are frustrated and very, very sleepy. David isn't as tired as Donna, it seems, because instead of letting her take naps at home, he's busy blaring metal rap on his big-ass stereo and being super touchy. Donna makes comments about his behavior on, on the air and compares David to a dog. David doesn't like that at all. Luckily, Donna keeps up the bit by bringing an actual dog to the studio to compare to David. <clears throat> it turns out people do listen to the show. They just needed a better reason to dial in. Donna, Kelly, Andrea, and Brenda decide to rush a sorority together to be sure they all have something to do together while they're in college. Brenda isn't super thrilled about the idea, but does get excited when she makes makes it through the first round of cuts for the Alpha Omega house along with the other girls. Andrea is pretty excited too, until Dan Rubin, her RA with the hair, tells her that she'll probably end up joining a Jewish sorority if she really wants to be in one. She says shut up, cynic. Besides, after Andrea spends more time with Leslie, the president of Alpha Omega, she realizes they have a lot in common. The whole group goes to a frat party, except Dylan, who only wants to go to college for school. Like, what even is that, Dylan? Brenda has zero fun and leaves to go to complain to Dylan about it at the Peach Pit. When Donna leaves to get ready to be on the radio, Kelly stays behind and talks to John Sears, who has apparently... Oh, wait. I told this out of order. That sucks. That's um, fine. We'll get to him. Uh, he <laughs> apparently owes her an apology, which he doesn't give her. Oh, and also, he's very grown up now and has changed very much since high school. And then he's all like, where's your boyfriend at? And I hate him. Andrea has a weird moment when Leslie offhandedly makes a comment about there not being any Jewish boys in KEG. Andrea decides to figure out if the Alpha Omegas are anti-Semitic by wearing a necklace with the Star of David on it to a candlelight thingy that Greek life does. <laughs> Leslie gets pissed and tells her that she's Jewish and she's pretty sure the other girls in the sorority only tolerate her because she doesn't flaunt it. Andrea says, fuck that, I quit. Later, Leslie apologizes. It turns out she was raised in a family that felt they had to hide their religious heritage to be accepted, and that's really sad. Steve and Brandon are still rushing KEG. Well, Steve is, and he wishes Brandon would take it more seriously. Brandon, however, is getting more serious about the student senate, to Steve's dismay and Jim's delight, as he's always wanted a son who's a Kennedy, apparently. Back to KEG for a second, though. One of the members has a history with Kelly. That's John Sears. He tells Steve he got turned down by Kelly when she was in ninth grade, and also he's worse at football than Brandon, so he's clearly had a rough life. Except that isn't what happened with Kelly. He got her drunk and told a bunch of seniors about all the stuff they did, and even more they didn't. Anyway, Brandon. His initial <laughs> meeting with Josh and Angela, who are running his campaign, I guess, but also already on the student senate. Their initial meeting is short, but goes well. But later they get all judgy when they realize Brandon has friends that are A, from high school, and B, in KEG. <laughs> Apparently, all fraternities are conservative and also hate politics. 
Brandon learns why when he finds out his platform involves abolishing all Greek life and associated activities from campus, among a million other things Brandon apparently doesn't stand for. He walks out of the meeting. He also decides rushing KEG is not for him. He tells Steve they'll always be brothers, but now Steve can have so many new brothers at fraternity. The president of KEG, who probably has a name, I just didn't write it down, and John tell Brandon that he's a go- or that he's goddamn independent, but you can't say goddamn on TV. <laughs> also, he's totally an honorary member of KEG. The end. <laughs> I really want to fr- re- refer to this now of like, Steve has to go to fraternity today. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Not the or his. It's just fraternity. <laughs> also, the president's name is Charlie. And the only reason I know that is because I had to look him up because he looked so familiar. Because he plays – this is the only thing I know him from. He plays the teacher that Mia's mom starts dating in The Princess Diaries. Oh, my oh. God. And the he's one... not in any more episodes. Wait. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, <laughs> the president of KEG is in no more episodes? If he is not credited because he only had one episode on his IMDb, I feel like I need to check this now. Oh, no. This makes me feel like Steve isn't going to make it. <laughs> his fraternity days are numbered, apparently. Also, every time, I just have to say, every time we say KEG, I think of the KGB. So... <laughs> What if this fraternity is re- – maybe that's why he's not in um, more episodes is because he's really KGB and this has just been a front the whole time. In the next episode, Steve is going to be like, I'm so excited to join this fraternity. And they'll be like, excellent. I can't <laughs> yeah. do an accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, great. Sign your life over and you have to support Russia. That's all. <laughs> right? Just like, oh, we have. I can't do an accent. I'm so sorry. I well, won't. what were you going to say? And I can try it. <laughs> I was say, we have this rich boy right in our grasp. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me think of Anatoly from Arrow. We have this rich boy right in our grasp. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We have. Like, I was thinking like the <laughs> 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 Oh, no. Like, I've most recently watched Chernobyl, and they don't give anyone Ooh. in Chernobyl, like, really mm-hmm. Russian accents. So I was like, well, I could do British. Yeah, the only one they really give um, an accent to is the person who actually has an accent, but it's British. <laughs> and I forget yeah. his name, but he's the guy that's been in, like, everything. Oh, what is his name? Doesn't matter. I'm talking about Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, and I double-checked. Charlie is only in one episode. That's insane. Which, yeah, like, what are we supposed to think about now? Like, I feel like this episode means this episode means nothing. Well, and now that I think about it, is this the second president in two days? I mean, two episodes. Because who was the oh. guy that was in, like, everything in the world from the last episode that's, like, super recognizable? Yeah. Was I, he the president or was he just the president of recycling? At or maybe he was... <laughs> he's the okay so he's the president in charge of recruitment Mm -hmm. charlie is the president in charge of rush so next week we'll meet the president (laughs) those are just his cabinet members (laughs) oh if brandon knew oh man he could be senate of fraternity (laughs) 
what is it? Um, it's the the pan Hellenic, isn't yeah. that the whole thing? That that there's like the pan Hellenic council or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He could be um, um, speaker of the house or no? What's the senate? What's the senate majority leader? There we go. Good lord, senate majority leader Brandon of fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> he already knows Robert's rules of order. He's ready Ex- to go. Exactly. Like, come on. This is perfect. Maybe this is just all a setup, and he doesn't actually have to rush, but he can be on the board or something. I mean, yeah, he's an honorary member, so maybe they'll be, just be like, we need you to represent us. And he'll yeah. be like, I will do it, because <laughs> yeah. he does everything that everybody else tells him to do. Until he decides he doesn't want to do it, and then he just bails. <laughs> I will absolutely do this thing. Oh, wait. My morals. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, literally, like. That is the definition of Brandon. I want to find an episode where he, like, actually sticks with something. True. Like, what has he quit besides baseball and being class president and fraternity and other stuff? Well, so there was this whole – there was that whole thing where – I think it was when he met Trisha where he was like, oh, I could have been so good at hockey if my parents hadn't let me quit. Mm. Yeah. So we didn't see him quit sports, but he has quit every single sport we've seen him do. Like he didn't stick with basketball. He didn't stick with track. He didn't stick with hockey. He mm-hmm. tried to quit the paper. He did try and quit the paper until they dragged him back in. And made him co-editor. <laughs> uh, it's like in what we do uh, in the shadows when Colin Robinson gets called into a meeting and he's like, I'm about to get fired for sure. And then he walks out and he's like, they gave me a promotion. <laughs> Oh, and then his head gets really big and he gets all these powers, much like Brandon does. Exactly. Brandon is an energy vampire. (laughs) Brandon is absolutely an energy vampire. And then Mm -hmm. he's technically like quit work several times. True. That's very true. Oh, Brandon. Oh, Brandon. Gotta love him or hate him. Yeah, we just have feelings about Brandon. Yeah. That's all. At the beginning like, of this episode, we start with David and Donna and their radio show. And if you guys remember, they've got the graveyard shift. Yeah, they're from 2 to 6 a.m. And I loved that every single one of their friends, like you would see the transitions into other scenes because Brandon's listening at 3 o'clock in the morning. Kelly's listening at 3 o'clock. Like all of their friends are listening because they even talk about it. If Donna's like, call in unless you're, you know, our usuals of Brandon, light goes out. Brenda, light goes out. And like on and on. And there's one light left. And she's like, Steve? <laughs> yeah, she's like surprised. <laughs> I mean, it was a little hokey with like the light going off and stuff. But it was also cute because it showed the support of even Steve. <laughs> I loved it so much. That was hilarious. And David and Donna are quickly becoming my favorite parts of this show. Sometimes, though. Oh, yeah. sometimes... And it's mostly on the David side, but, like, Donna's reactions to it. Like, sometimes I'm just, like, I need them gone. Like, it just. See, and I tend to agree with Mary, except for the parts where David's being a jerk to Donna. That's the only part Mm -hmm. I don't like. But I like the content that we're getting. Oh, Yeah. yeah. And Donna just fucking being a champ and not taking any shit and yeah. i think that's yeah it's mostly it's all donna it's not yeah. David. <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's exactly it like when they're in the booth and like even when he's giving her shit like in the dj booth like i kind of love them because especially 
later in the episode where he's like, Donna, your mic is still on. Yeah, she's like, I know. (laughs) But yeah, then when they're home and she's like, I'm so tired. And he's like, you want to (laughs) bang? She's She's like, like, no, David, when have I ever wanted to bang? (laughs) I know. He's like, well, I can think of something to do. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And she's like, I'm going to bed. (laughs) To sleep. (laughs) I love her so much. Hey. Donna sticks to her guns. Like, she is very much like, nah, man, I don't care what people think. I am just going to be me. And if you don't like it, sorry about it. And we should all strive to be more like Donna Martin, an angel on earth, if ever there was one. Serious. Like, I just love her so much. I know. Like, I don't know, especially when this started and they just really didn't give her any lines or, like, story or anything – I did not expect Donna to become one of my favorite characters of all time. I don't remember what season it's it's in, but I remember this one storyline so clearly, and I'm so curious what you guys are gonna like have thoughts about, um, because it's like it's about Donna, and there's two kind of parallels that happen, and so I'm she handles it really well, like like the um, Tori Spelling does, and yeah. I don't remember what season. For all I know, it's like season nine. <laughs> and we're like three years away from actually getting there. I can't wait until it's next week. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, oh, shit. This happens now? <laughs> of course, that would be on par for me because my memory we've established is horrible. I think I knew I loved Donna as soon as she was like, oh, I suck at school. Time to go smoke with the bad kids in the parking lot. <laughs> Well, and then I love, like, right after that, they're like, no, I think you're dyslexic. And she was like, oh, thank goodness. I did not like smoking. And then it's <laughs> yeah. just, like, back to normal. Uh, I love her. She's I love awesome. her so much. <laughs> oh, what I did not love is, like, basically everything right after this where they're talking about Rush and, like, all this, like, Greek week kind of stuff. Because the next scene is when you see the frat guys, like, hyper – and grading women as they walk past. Yeah. Like, oh, they were talking so fast. And they were like, oh, that one, that one over there. We're going to grade that one, that one over there. And then they start catcalling them and, like, showing off the numbers. I was like, what? I know. I did not like that. But I also kind of expected it. I'm like, yeah, that's, like, stereotypical frat house right there. And I don't want to be that person. But, like, I I can't say it didn't happen at EGA, so... Yeah, and I think, you know, I did not do anything in Greek life. Like, I was in an honors fraternity, so it's completely different. Uh, So I don't have too much to say about everything that was going on, but I think it was realistic enough that I was like, okay, I buy this. Yeah, for sure. It was, like, very easily bought. Yeah. This is, like, legit how Greek life is. Yeah. Because then the next scene is, like, you see all the girls – and they're walking up to the different houses. And I do know that the sororities and stuff had house songs. But, again, this was, like, the most boring house song I've yeah. ever seen in my life. And, like, I just kept wanting them to say, like, uh, what is it? We Are the Titans. Uh-huh. From, from Remember, Remember the, the Titans. Titans. Yeah. <laughs> and also my high school. Well, the problem is not so much what they sang. It's how often they sang it. (laughs) Well, they did. And it was so short. So, like, I know they weren't supposed to have a huge impact on us because the girls even just are like, 
I don't want to be in the Gamma House if this is what we do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were like robots. Yep. They sat there and they were like, I know four lines. That's and it. I can say them really, really fast. Everything was so fast. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know. I guess this is one of those times where they were like ready to write this episode. True. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I was very distracted uh, when they go to the Gamma Kai house because I saw on guest starring, it was Paul Johansson, who is Dan Scott, a.k.a. the dad in only my coming-of-age favorite TV show of all time, One Tree Hill. And I, I remembered him being in this episode or in this um, in the show, but I couldn't remember when. I knew it was college, but I didn't know when. And so I've, I was distracted the entire episode. <laughs> Every time he was here, because I'm like, how did you become Dan Scott? How did you become Dan Scott? <laughs> no, I like I have not really watched a lot of One Tree Hill. But yeah, I was distracted, too, because like, you know, he, he shows up like right after the football scene. But who cares? Brandon gets to win the football game and blah, blah, blah. But then you see John Sears because he's walking up to Kelly to be like, oh, hey, Kelly. And she walks right past him. And everyone's just like. Kelly, you just walked past that really hot guy. I was like, he's not? Nope. Nope. Yeah, he, he's just tall. And like, <laughs> that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Before I watched this, when Caitlin had watched it and we hadn't, I just want to share that uh, she was like, I was so distracted by the guest star this week. And so I immediately like looked up who it was. And I was like, this is Walmart brand Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh out loud when you said that, and <laughs> and then also when you said that he looked like he only did arm day or something like that, or he was just only biceps, yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's basically just like his upper body, and Harold was like, ah, the vanity muscle. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, he's kind of had a dad bod since like he was 20 probably. It's just crazy how- pictures. Yeah, and it's just crazy how in One Tree Hill, he like is in better shape then- than he was at like 25 or 30 or however old he is in this show. It's crazy. I mean, there are just some people that like age like a fine wine. Mm-hmm. And it's like you shouldn't open it when it's like a two-year-old wine. You should wait until it's a 10-year-old wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's definitely maybe not the finest wine, but a fine wine. He's not two-buck Chuck, but he's not the finest from France. <laughs> <laughs> He's like when that winery first gets opened and you're like, ugh, I kind of regret buying this wine. And then like once they've had a couple seasons, you're like, this is better. <laughs> I appreciate this. It's from uh, a good year and you waited long enough to open it. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They opened him too early for 1993. <laughs> they should have put him back and gotten him back out in like 2005. But yeah, like everybody walks right past him and like – Kelly just doesn't even want to talk about him at this point. Yeah, because then, like, Steve is, I think, with him. And he's like, you know Kelly or something like that? And she's like, yeah. She turned me down in ninth grade, which was a bit confusing because I couldn't tell if she was in ninth grade, if he was in ninth grade, if they were in ninth – like, the the timeline was a little weird there in the construction of the sentence. But then Steve is all, she turned you down? And I'm like, yeah. Like, are you saying that because, like, you feel like you have the upper hand because you actually dated Kelly? Or are you saying that because 
it was just a weird thing for Steve to say. And I definitely got the like him being like, she turned you down and not me. Yeah. That's definitely how I interpreted that. Yeah, same. Because, like, Steve is going to idolize any fraternity brother um, at KEG and, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, like, kind of a pretty good segue because he's ready to just, like, spend the day with KEG and do everything here. And Brandon's like, nah, man, I got to go. I have these other obligations. I have to meet with the student senate people. Which, yep. okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but he goes to meet with these people and like what's his face is already in there and then Angela like comes in and they make this big deal of like you know it's really great that you had this protest but we need to make sure that it wasn't just for some drunk girl at prom and then he's like no 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 the superintendent was trying to like sneak all this stuff in like you know uniforms and uh dress codes and blah 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 but when he was setting up the protest it was just for a drunk girl at prom right Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, they like, were trying to save Donna's ass, and they just happened to find out, oh, they're trying – because if it wasn't for Andrea being at the school board meeting and um, Melinda Silver or something – or what was Melinda it? like Silverman. Yeah. <laughs> if she wasn't out of town, they never would have known that they were trying to hide in – like the drinking rules and the dress code rules and things like that. And Brandon also just happened to go to the school board meeting. Well, and the juniors are the ones that are like, if you will throw this in with the protest, we'll all join you. None of that had anything to do with Brandon. He just happened to be the face of it. Yeah. Also, he only did it because Gil told him to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then like his final thing is him saying like, I don't want to coast through college. Since when does Brandon not want to coast? Like, I get that college is different than high school, but he spent his senior year being like, I want to coast. I'm apathetic. I'm the most apathetic class in the most apathetic high school. Right. Like, I thought the same. I literally wrote down, apparently, Brandon doesn't want to coast through college. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. You just never hear about him really. He seems like one of those guys that just – sails through school with barely having to study and still somehow gets like a B and you're like what the heck man I've been studying for like three weeks this one concept and I have to work really really hard for my A or something like that and so yeah I'm like you don't want to coast what does that look like for you yeah because I mean we saw at the beginning of the show he wants to get a job so that he can pay for his own car insurance he, you know, joins the paper, blah, blah, blah. But then basically everything after that, like when he joins track, that's handed to him. Like mm-hmm. whenever he goes for other jobs, they're essentially handed to him. And then, yeah, he tries to quit the newspaper and then they're like, well, what if we give you a promotion? Yeah. <laughs> so like, It's like they originally set up that Brandon was a hard worker and then that was just supposed to be canon. And that's fine. I mean, if that's what it is, like, I guess I'll get on board with it. But I was just like, wait a minute. And that's the thing, too. It's like maybe he is a hard worker, just not at things related to school. Because, like, I don't know. I'm I'm a little conflicted on it because, yeah, it's like he already tried to quit the beach club and the peach pit a couple of times. But it, I guess 
even when he did, he still had a job at one of the other places. And he always like had the goal of like buying his Mustang. I mean, and then he started gambling to get more money so he could buy more things. And not that that's a wise decision, but it's like, he seems more of the kind of guy that's motivated by money, not motivated by like academic standing or I don't know, like a good public image or something like that. Cause that part is just, that take care, takes care of itself. Hmm. Well, and that was the whole storyline about hockey was that yeah. like his parents let him quit sports. And if they hadn't, he might have been Olympic quality and been on the U.S. national hockey team. <laughs> Can you imagine the little teeny tiny Brandon on the national team? I I am still fascinated by that. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. My parents let me quit every sport I ever did, but I don't sit there being like, I could have gone to the Olympics. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. if you wanted to go to the Olympics, you would have stuck with it. That's what happened with Trisha. We've already talked about that episode. I think we've talked about that episode a couple times because I just keep bringing it up. But, you know, Brandon's off at this meeting. The girls are still going through houses. And this is where they go to the Alpha Omega house, who has apparently heard of the Fab Four from West Beverly High School. I know. I literally wrote that down. I was like, they're the Fab Four. First of all, I love that. Second of all, how notorious is this Fab Four, given the fact that Andrea kind of just joined the group like last <laughs> week. <laughs> Yeah, but now it's a good nickname. They couldn't have been right. the Fab Three. Right, exactly. They could have been like the Terrific Three, but that just doesn't roll off the tongue the same way the Fab Four does. The Fab Three. The Fab Three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, I already forgot her name. I called her Omega Girl this whole time. I called I... her the Prez. <laughs> Leslie. I didn't write, Thank like, you. I didn't get her name until literally the last scene when she was like, oh, my yeah. name is. Name, name. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> well, and I honestly don't know that they actually gave us her name before then that much. I don't think so. I usually try really hard to write stuff down because I always forget characters' names and things. So that's tr that's usually the first thing I try to write down so I don't forget who they are. I know. Like, I watched this episode a couple of hours ago and I'm already just like, <laughs> I don't know her name. I don't know. <laughs> well, to be fair, like... Because, Mary, you do the synopsis, like, it makes sense that you have to be hyper-focused. Meanwhile, I'm just typing down, like, random shit. I'm like, eh, it doesn't really matter. I usually call, you know, the guest stars that I even, like, recognize by their actor name or by their name in another show I've seen, so. <laughs> Dean yeah. Kane. Yeah, Dean, Dean Kane. <laughs> oh, but Leslie, like, comes up and talks to them for, like, two seconds, and it's just like, this is why you're the Fab Four. Blah, 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 blah. And then I just, like, kind of blacked out for a minute because she's like, oh, it's time to leave. And then everyone from Alpha Omega House says, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> and then the Fab Four is like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> like, what is happening? I don't know. But they're all, like, completely enamored by the Alpha Omega. And forgive me, I'm not – up on my panhellenic knowledge but isn't there usually three greek letters in a sorority or fraternity i know there's some like kaio i think is just one lambda chi i feel like is just the two and i said one a second ago but i meant two but i feel like a lot of greek houses have three greek letters 
Yeah, it was actually really throwing me off because like AO Pi is a real uh, sorority. And so every time they said Alpha Omega, I was like, Alpha Omega Pi? Right. Except the O in AO Pi is Omicron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I only know because I hung out with some AOPI girls in college and then they didn't want to be friends with me when they found out I didn't want to pay to be friends with them. (laughs) God, Brenda. (laughs) Yeah, why are you being such a Brenda? (laughs) I can't help it. And Brenda had gorgeous eyebrows in this episode, so I will take it. She did. I have some things to say about Brenda when we get to the 70s night party. Yeah, I, like, I knew I knew we'd have to talk about the outfits. We have to talk about the outfits. But yeah, everyone says they say hasta la vista, baby, which like I, I just looked it up. Terminator 2 came out in 1991. So like it feels a little dated already. <laughs> that, like the movie came out in 1991 and this is 1993 and they're still using it. Yep. There has to have been something that came out in 1993 that said goodbye in a fun way. <laughs> But when they leave, this is when Kelly finally tells them about John Sears and what happened because she's like, if he tells anybody about what happened, all of these sororities are going to be slamming their doors in my face and I'm not even going to have a chance. Yeah. And I hate that she, like, when she's talking about it and saying, you know, apparently he started all these rumors about her and this was her, quote unquote, walk all over me phase. And it just broke my heart. I'm like, crap, man. I always forget that Kelly... Kelly has had some growth, like even in a year or so, you know, from before we even see her to when we start to see her, like to see like season zero, basically, you know, what that we don't see to season one. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it just breaks my heart that like Kelly Taylor was like always taken advantage of and stuff. I know. I think of like, they don't hide her past. I think the first time we heard about it was in the slumber party episode, which was you know, pretty early in the show, but every time they bring it up, it breaks my heart of like, she was 14 and all of these guys are taking so much advantage of her. And yeah, like Mm -hmm. she had all this growth. She, you know, has developed better relationships with the people around her and herself. And I'm just like, Kelly. I know. I just want to give her a hug every time she tells a story of like how shitty freshman year was for her. Seriously. And then like, They kind of go their separate ways, and Andrea goes back to her dorm. And I guess, like, the guy who plays Dan, they only gave him a wardrobe to be on a bicycle. Correct, because he was sweaty again (laughs) and on a bike again and wearing biker clothes again. So I guess Dan is just Dan Dan the bike man. And, like, also kind of, like, I don't like him yet. Right? Because yeah. basically the first thing he says is like, you know, Andrea is all dressed up because she's been looking at the sororities and he talks about how good she looks and she says, I should be thanking you, right? And he's like, absolutely. Like, what is happening here? And then he starts making the comments about how she should be going out for Jewish sororities. And she's like, why? Are the rest of the sororities anti-Semitic? And he's like, I just think you should go for Jewish sororities. I'm like, are you kind of anti-Semitic? Yeah, yeah, right, right, because he seems very, like, I have my opinions, I'm not going to blatantly tell you what they are, I'm going to let you guess for yourself while I passive-aggressively tell you what they are, and act like I know everything. And that's the thing, is, like, you're not in Greek life, so, I mean, you might be right, but you're also, like, 
I feel like there are definite camps of people. Like there's people that are in Greek life. There's the people that, you know, don't really care, which kind of fits like Dylan and at this point like Brandon and Brenda of just like, it's not for me, but my friends can go do it. And then there's Dan who and Angela and Josh – who are all just like, mm-hmm. Greek life is the absolute worst thing in the world. It is bringing this school down. They are horrible people. They, you know, have all of these, you know, to quote Brandon from later, isms. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism. Like. And I don't like that him saying that she should go for a Jewish sorority plants this idea in Andrea's head and she just clings to it. Yeah, because I think that's one of the – probably like clearest personality traits of Andrea is that if she hears something like if somebody makes a comment and it's somewhat controversial she wants to explore that right because she's a journalist at heart she's more investigative than Brandon is but I feel like she gets a little bit of clouded you know judgment here because it's kind of that unconscious bias where it's like if you um, if you hear something, you might start to believe it, right? It's like that thing of when somebody tells you something from their perspective or their opinion, and then all of a sudden you start looking for it. It's that thing of like, if you're, if you always look for reasons not to do something, you'll always find them. Um, yeah. so if you look for reasons to believe that sororities and fraternities are anti-Semitic, then you'll find them, but that may not necessarily be the case. Um, yeah. Sorry. I just had a thought. I was going to say this doesn't feel like Andrea, but she has done this before. Mm-hmm. When Mr. Myers first showed up and she called him sexist. Yeah. Because she wasn't getting things. And, like, it ends up in both times that, that she is, like, she is technically right in calling out the behavior of the, like, one person. Like, in that case, it was Mr. Myers. In this case, it's Leslie. But that, as a whole, the organization doesn't care. And she yeah. ends up, like, picking out very specific insecurities that that one person has. Yeah, for sure. And I think she ends up making a little bit too many sweeping generalizations, even if a piece of it's true, right? Like you said, like, it's like, yeah, she was kind of right. And so was Dan to an extent, but like, not to the extent. Well, that's, I think that's interesting. I think Dan is completely wrong. I think he is making generalization that he shouldn't make. And, like, there are, you know, Jewish fraternities and black fraternities. And, like, Andrea says, like, oh, if I'm Asian, should I only go for Asian fraternities? Like, those organizations do exist because some people do want to be in a place that, like, fosters their, you know, heritage, background, et cetera. But, like, there's also just the general ones. And so, like – I think Dan is completely wrong in what he is saying. And I think, like, Andrea, like, she is right about Mr. Myers and about Leslie. But mm-hmm. the Alpha Omega girls, like, we find out later, do not care. Yeah. They probably don't even think about it ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, no. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we'll, we will talk about that when we get further into the episode because I also have things to say about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get, like, a small scene next, like, where Dylan, I mean, Brenda's walking out of the bookstore. She's got all her books, and here's Dylan, and Dylan and Brenda are going to share a couple classes together. He doesn't think she's right for sororities, but she's still going to do this because at this point, she just wants to be near her friends, which who could blame her? Um, and then they kind of 
exit the scene and, and in comes Josh and Brandon. Um, and they're kind of talking about, I guess, like go, meeting later to talk through the, the, the fine print of the platform. Yeah, exactly. And then Steve and John show up just saying, hey, and John sees that Brandon is talking to Josh, which can, which apparently Josh is known for one thing, and that's um, being a part of the progressive party. Correct. And John's immediately like, no, Steve, we don't talk to them. <laughs> yeah. This episode really is like full of a lot of generalizations. If you think about it, it's a very exclusive episode for it kind of trying to preach inclusivity. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's trying to have people joining groups but those groups don't like other groups. <laughs> yeah, no, they they packed a lot into this episode. And I think this is like a 32 episode season. So I'm kind of wishing like, could we split this up a little bit? Like make Rush yeah. Week last two weeks. Yeah. Introduce all of the drama and then next week resolve all the drama. Because mm -hmm. like it's it's a lot. I mean, the next thing we see is like the reason Brenda and Dylan went separate ways in the last scene because he wanted to go to get coffee and she's like, no, 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 I got to go do something. And she like runs to the peach pit where she is very, very, very late so that they could all open their envelopes together to see which sorority has picked them. Mm -hmm. And they all get into Alpha Omega, which like already pretty immediately like negates the anti-Semitism thing. Because like Andrea says it later, she's like Zuckerman. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty blatant Zuckerman. And I think this is where you first – I mean, I think she's probably dropped a little breadcrumb here or there earlier, but differently than Kelly, Donna, and Brenda, you only hear Andrea have insecurities as to why they would pick her. Meanwhile, Kelly, Donna, and Brenda are like just thinking about why they want to choose Alpha, right? Like it's the other way around. And so, and, and it's a combination of things like Zuckerman, her last name. Um, she doesn't think that she's cool or like this, I guess, stereotypical sorority girl. Um, and I mean, to an extent, like she only we only have just seen her interact with the girls like the the fab th three. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say it. But so to me, it was even like, oh, interesting. She's fitting in with Donna, Kelly and Brenda when we haven't seen her fit in before or at least not it. It wouldn't. It wasn't a huge effort to make the four of them be together. It was always Donna, Kelly, and Brenda. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but I I think it's interesting that pretty much her dialogue in this scene, as as well as others, when it's the four of them, it's more about her insecurities about why they why that sorority would pick her as opposed to them picking a sorority. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like the other ones knew they would all get into a sorority. It's just a question of which one. Yeah. And then, yeah, Andrea's like, I didn't think I was going to get into a sorority. And it just so happens that the one that picked you guys picked me too. Yep. Uh, but, like, that's literally it. Because then we have to run over to the Walsh house where Jim is so excited that Brandon is getting into student politics. And yeah. I'm like, Jim, keep it in your pants, bro. Like, Well, this happens every single time. He gets so excited that Brandon's going to do something and then, like, it doesn't pan out. <laughs> but – I thought it was very interesting, this, like, conversation going around where, like, I think Brenda's the one that says that the progressives are the politically correct party. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this hasn't changed. Yep. It's been 30-some-odd years almost, and this is 
the same exact conversation. It's also funny when Cindy was like, so what exactly does the Progressive Party stand for? And I'm like, Cindy, it's in the name. (laughs) Well, and I love that Brandon's just like, well, we don't like racism. We don't like this. Like, he's just like brushing the top of it. I was like, no, 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 Brandon. If you're running for office, you should actually know the platform. Mm -hmm. You can't just – yeah, like Brenda being like the progressives of the politically correct party, that's fine for Brenda because she's not trying to get involved in politics. But like Brandon should have been able to go deeper on it. Yeah. Which it's brand new. He's not gone over the fine print yet. But like when you go to that like little meeting later and Angela and Josh are like, oh, we could take this money and give it to, you know, child care for single parents so that they can attend school. Like that's it. That's yeah. somebody that's in the progressive party. This is not like Brandon hasn't even looked at the party yet. Right. Because let's be honest, every single party should be against the isms. Oh, absolutely. It's like, why? Yeah. Like, why would a. This is just so basic. I Yeah. I could say a lot, but I don't necessarily want to get into it. But to your point, yes, Brandon should know what platform he's running on, what he's going to be getting into should he run. Um, And sure, you haven't seen the fine print or whatever, but you should have a basic understanding of your party's platform. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is I kind of wish that, like, Cindy had challenged him and been like, Brandon, it's the 90s. Everyone's against racism. Yeah. (laughs) That's just the only part that got me. Like, I would have loved Cindy to be like, well, what are you guys doing on campus to combat global warming? Right. Or like ask what the recycling policy is. Like, are you going to be zero waste to landfill (laughs) at California University? Yeah. Explain your 12-step plan to get yourselves to zero waste. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's like, literally, that was just it. Because then... We go back over to the beach apartment, I think. No, we go to the radio. Yeah. Because and Donna's is- just like real tired and like drown, uh, <laughs> droning on and on about how tired she is and no one's calling. And like, what callers, David? Nobody's calling. <laughs> and I do. Yeah. Okay. Because this is like Brandon is listening to the radio and that's how we get to the radio station because he's up at two o'clock listening to them arguing and like. The fact that we do this podcast has taught me that there is no way that that radio station mic is picking up anything Donna is saying. She's like laying on the table and just like, I don't care, David. No one's calling us. Just put something on. And he's like, you didn't put anything in the CD player. And then he walks away. And like, no, no one's hearing anything they're saying. I don't think I saw a mic anywhere near Donna. (laughs) You didn't. Like, Mr. Boom would have been picking it up better. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would have loved if the boom mic operator was like, I just have to make this more realistic. (laughs) He became – he was not only, like, the the source of sound for this episode, but he was a prop. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically become a character at this point. So, like, he really should have just been like, let me just help you here. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, Brandon's listening. Um, he's chuckling to himself. Then all of a sudden the phone rings at 2 a.m. And I'm like, who the heck is calling Brandon at 2? Oh, Steve. (laughs) Yeah. I literally like everyone is just awake at 2 a.m. And it 
blows my mind because, like, I know they're 18, but I'm like, why would you be up at 2 a.m. and listening to the radio every single night? Yeah, because, like, don't get me wrong, I've stayed up late in my day, but if I was up at 2 a.m., I was either out doing something or I was at home, like, watching a movie maybe or like but like definitely like bordering sleep not just like like Brandon still had his shoes on (laughs) yeah no he's like writing or studying or something and then yeah like Steve just comes over Mm -hmm. and he's like I didn't want to ring the doorbell and Brandon's like bruh you rang the inside doorbell the phone (laughs) (laughs) so this made me think did they end up getting Brandon his own phone line since he's not moved out for college they had to have because Cindy or Jim would have woken up. Yeah. But like Steve shows up to warn Brandon to be like, you can't have student politics and Greek life. You just mm-hmm. can't do it. They don't mix. Right. Which is another like pretty general thing because they do mix. They have to mix because part of politics is the funding that goes to Greek life or the funding that Greek life brings in. Well, that and all of the like – like every fraternity or sorority has a um a service uh something like a philanthropy type arm to it um because while on the outside it very much looks like it's just an excuse to you know pay a bunch of money to get a bunch of friends and party all the time like in essence like sororities and fraternities are actually supposed to be providing some sort of service right to the school to the community to all of that. So you would think it would almost directly tie into politics because they also have the Panhellenic Council, which is kind of like the board for the entire Greek life. So yeah. yeah. Well, and like it literally comes up later that like the two butt heads. So like it probably would do people some good to have someone who does sorority, fraternity, and uh politics. I'm pretty sure that in in at my school we had SGA student government i'm like 90% sure the people that were running like we had several representatives from a fraternity or sorority who were running for like a seat on the SGA on the student um government thing i'm pretty think, sure yeah i just think that makes total sense yeah <laughs> like also making sense i guess to segue into the next scene is now we're at the beach apartment because it's the next day and Donna just really wants to take a nap. And David is blasting what did he call it metal rap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which like, okay. Not I exactly like- what I pictured David would do, but so whenever he started playing it and he was like, Donna, you got to check it out. It's called metal rap. Immediately. I was like, you know what? I could see John listening to metal rap. Like, your husband, John. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. He likes metal and he likes some rap. Well, but and that's put why the two I together. Think, yeah, if you put the, like, he may not like a lot of rap independently, but if you put it with metal, I think he'd like it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's so funny to me that he called it metal rap because I'm pretty sure it's rap metal. Yes. And, like, when also, you say- it's just the new videotape. <laughs> <laughs> just oh and I I can't get over the fact that like first of all he is not at all tired and 
like Donna is trying to take a nap and he's just blasting music. And then when she comes out and is like, I'm really tired. And he's like, well, it's your fault. <laughs> like he literally says, who said you had to rush a, fator- a sorority in the first place? And she's like, David, I can hear you. <laughs> David, you said that out loud. <laughs> you said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. I really just want her to do a comeback at some point. That's just like, David, not everything you think has to be said out loud. <laughs> well, that's why I really liked the photo that I found for, uh, I don't even remember what the episode was, where she was just like, David, go to bed. Yeah, go to your room. Go to your room. <laughs> it's like every time she's like, I just want to take a nap. And he's like, well, I know what I want to do. And she's like, good night, David. Yeah. She's like, fine, go do that by yourself. I am going to get some sleep because that's what I told you I wanted to do. <laughs> but she also has to get a nap because there is apparently a 70s party tonight, which is amazing. I was so happy. It's a 70s party. Like, I don't know why that just made me so giddy, but it's like if we were – like when we were in school, we would have done an 80s or a 90s party. And it just like made my heart happy that the, these things happened before you know like in accordance to the decade that it was in for whatever school they're in I'm just like oh my god like what did the 50s college students do did they do the 30s (laughs) well that's I loved like when we did uh uh spirit week in high school and like there would be decades day and at our high school they did the freshmen were the 50s the sophomores were the 60s the juniors were the 70s and then the seniors were the 80s so, like, I was just brought back to it. Like, we had, like, no outfits. I feel like people barely put any effort in until you got to the 80s because then you could just wear leggings to school. And oh, totally. I mean, we were in uniforms all the time. So we were like, what? We have to, we get to put color on? <laughs> but, like, they were just ready. I mean, like, Steve had that suit with the big lapels on his shirt and Kelly was in that little, like, uh, jumpsuit. And Donna's outfit was so cute. It was amazing. Like, always. Like, they only gave us really one opportunity to see it, like, from the top to the bottom. And I'm like, y'all, this is your this is your moneymaker right here. Like, you have to feature Donna front and center at all times. I know. She looked so cute. I'm just really glad that we at least got to see, like, Kelly's full outfit a couple of times because mm-hmm. I really liked that jumpsuit on her. And they put her in blue, and she looks good in blue. That's true. That's very true. But, like, that party was wild. It was so wild. Like, and Brenda's sunglasses. We haven't even mentioned Brenda's sunglasses. <laughs> I Oh, that's like my next one. I was like, oh my God, Brenda is an all black with the little sunglasses. Amazing. Like, but like right before the party, I do want to comment on how like Kelly calls Dylan and he's like, no, I don't want to go to this party. And she's like, uh, something, something is mad at him. And she's like, I hate you. And he's like, do you? And she's like, yeah, but I love you more. I literally wrote down, can they just break up? I'm so tired of it. Like, <laughs> they do it again at the end of the episode. It's like, we get it. Somehow, Dylan keeps dating these girls despite having nothing in common with them ever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they retcon it after the fact to be like, Brenda and Dylan are in the same uh, English elective. Will they, won't they? Right. Like, no, they won't because she wants to go to parties and he never wants to go to parties. Yep. Like, you do have to have, like, spending time together things in common. Well, and at this point, they don't have any content for Dylan. Like, he's never in the episodes. Yeah, he has nothing going on besides actual college. Like, 
Because that's the thing about Dylan is he never really wants to do any extracurriculars, right? He just wants to go surf. He just he wants, wants to read. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But it doesn't work in the context of the show right now because there's just not really anything to show except if you have a girlfriend or a significant other. And yeah, he and Kelly, we've established that they are toxic. They don't really have much in common except for their physical attraction for each other. Yeah, he has more screen time with Brenda than he does with Kelly. Yep. Because, yeah, like, this party, like, Steve is being wild. Andrea is so excited about going to dance with people. Donna is, like, falling asleep on the credenzas. And then, like, Brenda is just off to the side, not dancing, dressed in all black, like, having a face. And then she goes and talks to Brandon about – Who didn't dress up. Of course he didn't. (laughs) And yeah, they're talking about like how this party isn't what they want to be doing and she's going to bail. And then Charlie invites Brandon and his girlfriend to go play pool. And I threw up a little bit. Um, also, <laughs> did you hear Brenda when she was leaving say bye, babe, to Brandon? I don't like it. I don't like it. So weird. I was like, you you could have cut and redone that. Like, they literally just made a comment about, oh, is this your girlfriend? So you might want to, like, make it extra clear. <laughs> no, I, I definitely heard that. And I was like, that can't have been what I just heard. No, you did. Exactly. It was on the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, because I had my subtitles on, too, because I left them on from the last episode when I had to write down my quote of the week. <laughs> No, and that's I had the subtitles on and I was like, no, that can't be right. That's wrong. That's not what they said. They said like okay. by Bran. I don't know. Cause he says <laughs> he says by Bren. Mm-hmm. By Bip. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I could think of that would even be a syllable and start with B. I was just um, convinced. This entire scene though just reminded me of the one time that I saw like a picture of Shannon Doherty and Jason Priestley kissing like out in public and I was like stop that's your sister. It makes me think of in Shit's Creek when the uh the like welcome to Shit's Creek mural oh, or it's okay it's her. a sister. <laughs> yeah. Like, Roland, don't you notice anything off about this? <laughs> I just love that. Where's Roland's like, well, now I do. You're gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so that was weird. Um, well, and then I don't like that. I don't like that. And then, like, after this, the party kind of just like, ugh. Yeah, like fizzles a bit. Yeah, because like Kelly and John talk and they go outside and he's like oh I'm a changed person I apologize for everything I did and then Donna is amazing and comes out and is like we need to leave and then she's like looking at John and is just like I know what you did I know she knows all and Kelly's like I think I'm gonna stay with John and she's like call 911 if you need to yeah she's like well there's always 911 (laughs) (laughs) she's like she knows. And John is just like, I guess she doesn't like me. And Kelly's like, yeah, she remembers everything. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, she, you, you you, should know why she doesn't like you. Right? I also think that Donna thrives on no sleep. Because <laughs> her sass comes out strong. Like, from now on, she's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I guess like she's just been revitalized by this party because they go straight to the uh, radio station. And after this is when she just starts with the dog analogies. And I died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right before that, the that was when Brandon talked to the I get uh, Charlie, Charlie, and he also says like he can't have both. But also he says he played football, and I don't believe that for a second because he's like a hundred like fifty pounds. So I don't believe it for a second. I, um, they just threw that in there to like give more dialogue, which like yeah, like I'm saying they put a lot of stuff in this episode, and I really feel like they could have cut most of that conversation, and like mm-hmm. they didn't even need to play pool. Right, right. Like, I sure. feel like Brandon and Charlie could have talked at the drinks. Mm-hmm. And, just and we fine. also, like, legit learned that Brenda really doesn't want to join a sorority. Um, and I don't really remember what happened there. But we then get to the radio station, and this is when Donna – Hold on. Oh, you, Sorry. You remember? Um, I don't remember that. I remember that like Brenda goes to the peach pit and runs into Dylan who like apparently the coffee is still terrible because Dylan makes a face. Yeah. But it's one of those times where they, you know, get more screen time together and how neither of them want the Greek life, but they're like cool with it and like trying to pretend they're okay with it for Kelly essentially. But the other thing that happens is Leslie runs into Andrea and gives that heads up of like, just so you know, you won't find a lot of Jewish guys at Keg House. That's right. And Andrea's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. She's like, cool. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. And then Leslie is like, oh, there's the head of blah, blah, blah. I have to go. And yeah, this is like when everything starts going in Andrea's head of just like, she's anti-Semitic. Exactly. Which means all Greek life is or what, you know. It's yeah. Feeling. It's like, because she's not wrong in the very specific sense but in the general sense she's she's very wrong and we'll find that out later yeah but yeah so now we're at the radio station where donna just starts calling david out for everything he does and he gets so mad at her and i'm like but you do it yeah like detecting any lies here because i'm not i'm not seeing where this is wrong and like i didn't write the whole thing down that she did where she like woofed and like we're talking about all that but i did write down honey if the fur fits wear it she snaps too she's like, i love her, her. <laughs> oh you know i wrote it down here i got a riddle for you what starts pawing you the second you get home because they're happy to see you give up bow wow woof woof d-o-g dog wait are you calling me a dog honey if the fur fits wear it <laughs> so i'm pretty sure that's my guess for your quote of the week We'll see. I shall reveal later. Yeah. Just want to just wanna throw that out there. Okay. And then, <laughs> so they're on the radio and talking. And that's how we get to Kelly and uh, I literally already forgot his name. John. John Sears. <laughs> Sitting Dan in the Scott. Keg- just call him Dan Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still at the keg house at like – We'll say, you know, three o'clock in the morning at this point because, like, everyone's gone and I feel like a party does not die at two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. not in the first week of college. Yeah. But they're listening to the radio station and that's how we have the transition, which I loved the transitions, but it doesn't make sense to me that Kelly's like, oh, it's two o'clock. We got to put on my favorite radio station. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I didn't write anything down here other than, Kelly, you have a boyfriend. 
And then, like, John says, like, well, if you have a boyfriend, why isn't he here? So she goes to Dylan and then sits outside his house waiting for him. Which, again, if this is, like, 3 a.m., where the fuck has Dylan been? (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I guess does that mean that either the peach pit has become 24 hours when it wasn't before? Because we've seen Brandon close the peach pit. Right. Or, yeah, he's just been, like, hanging out somewhere until, like, three o'clock in the morning and then Kelly and him have another one of these conversations where she's like why can't you be like everybody else I was like and he's you like, don't like each other yeah because then he's like do you really want me to be and she's like no and I'm like it's not cute I don't care <laughs> yeah this is not good this is not a good conversation like can you imagine like I'm just trying to think of how that would go if I were to tell Nate or ask him like can't you just like be like everybody else? Like he would be so insecure about that. Like he would suddenly think, well, shit, if you don't like, like if you want to be like me to be like anybody else, that means you don't like who I am and what I do and what I'm about. So now yeah. I'm going to constantly think that you don't actually like me. Yeah, exactly. Like if, you know, I'm going to say it from like John's perspective to me because I know how I would react, which would be very similar to Nate. I would just be like, he's gonna leave me for sure like our relationship is nothing if he's like well I'm gonna need you to just not be like you yep like then why are you with me in the first place Mm -hmm. and she's known Dylan forever they make all these comments about how they went to elementary school together like I I just don't know I'm so over it I don't even know how they're gonna break up because I feel like almost the writers have to make something happen because they already kind of did the whole fizzle out grow apart we're just not right for each other break up between dylan and brenda so i feel like it can't be the same thing i feel like they're gonna have to make something happen well and they already did a fake we each cheated on each other and then abandoned each other in europe and that didn't drive us apart right so like i have no idea and it's not something it's almost like they're too apathetic to break up. Like they're too codependent, which is weird because I've never thought of Dylan as a codependent, but it's almost like they're too codependent on each other and too apathetic to actually break up because for some reason they're hanging on to like maybe the friend part of it or like, uh, I don't know. I like that idea though, that they're just too apathetic to do anything about it. Yeah. They're like, what else would we do? No, I like that. It's not a good idea, but no, it's a horrible idea. <laughs> but I do like the theory. Yeah, but like, that's it. Like, that's the end of their scene, and I don't think we ever see the two of them together again. Mm-mm. Because pretty much, like, we're done with those people, and we can focus in on like the Andrea storyline, the Brandon storyline, and then Donna and David. Mm-hmm. Because the next thing that happens is you see Andrea in her dorm room, like pacing around making all of these comments, and then Dan is just stoking the fire, and I hate him because he's like, is there a bounty for the alpha that bags the most Jewish people? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't even make sense with anything he said earlier. He's like, no, they're anti-Semitic, and now he's like, no, there's a bounty. They want you. Yeah. I and don't... they only want you because you're Jewish. I just don't mm. – I guess I just don't – maybe I'm a bit ignorant on um, just sororities and fraternities in general, but I'm like, why does it 
matter? Like, hmm. well, and so this is kind of where we get to the point that like, I just want to talk about everything with Andrea and then everything with Brandon and then everything with Donna David. Cause so the next time you see Andrea is I guess like after this candlelight event where she's wearing a star of David and Leslie shows up and starts chewing her out for wearing it. Mm-hmm. And according to the um, wiki for this episode, there was actually a scene at Alpha Omega where like, okay, so it says one minute of the girls of Alpha Omega singing to the pledges has been cut from the DVDs. And so I'm assuming streaming too, because we didn't see it. It says the scene where Andrea shows up to Rush wearing a Star of David necklace is also edited out. So there was a scene that originally aired that showed her showing up to Alpha Omega wearing the necklace. And I really wish they'd kept it in to show us like all of the sorority girls' reactions. Because Leslie comes and is like, why do you have to flaunt being Jewish? Yeah, like I'm really wondering, I'm really curious what that scene was because – there's plenty we could have cut out and left that in, right? Yeah, th- that's what I'm thinking. Because if, if the whole point is that Leslie is the one with the problem, not Alpha Omega in general, you would think you'd want to keep that scene and take this scene out because you could focus on maybe everybody else's reaction as well as Leslie's reaction and seeing that Leslie was, like, upset about it instead of having this, like, really tense con- uh, uh, confrontation. Yeah, or, like, take out some of the just, like, random stuff that we see of like the fraternity guys at the beginning grading all the women like that just didn't have an impact on the story other than to say like fraternity guys are dogs and it's like, okay mm-hmm. I mean okay that's fine but like if yeah. it's between cutting that versus cutting this I think you should have cut that agreed mm-hmm. yeah and like the idea that she's like you're flaunting being Jewish when I was like Andrea is a conventionally attractive white woman who, like, does not walk around, like, spouting Yiddish. Right. Like, like, I just – and you end up finding out, like, Leslie comes back later because Andrea essentially kicks her out. And then Leslie comes back later and is like, all the girls in Alpha Omega really love you. I'm the one that has the issues because, you know, I'm Jewish, but I was raised to, you know – hide my own heritage which is absolutely heartbreaking that they went so far as to change their last name to hide this fact which is interesting too because um me personally like I don't think I've I think this is really late in history to be still doing that like I could understand you know like way back in the day Ellis Island families coming over coming to America, trying to fit in, maybe not have a certain last name so that they could, um, I guess, fit in is the right way to say it. But it's just really interesting. Granted, you don't know how early in her family line that they started doing that. Because, like, I mean, I know, for example, like, my stepdad's last name, it had been changed over the course of many, like, hundreds of years, right? Like, the original name is not what it is today. Not for any other reason than just probably pronunciation and spelling but you just wonder how far back that goes and it's really sad that this recent in our history that that could still be a thing right yeah and like honestly it would not surprise me to find out that I mean it is still happening it's definitely Mm -hmm. still happening like people will change their accents and like spend a lot of time hiding the fact that you know they are 
a certain religion or a certain race or, you know, from a certain geographical area because it's like assimilate or you don't get to be involved. Yeah. I mean, even think about it in terms of if you have, um, let's just say if you are from Indian culture and your name is like your last name is quote unquote hard to pronounce. You, you often hear of people changing their last name or changing their first name if they think that white people can't pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bruh, if you can pronounce, like I forget, like Nicki Minaj, I think said it, uh, or somebody said it, it was Hasan Minaj. That's, that's who said it. He said, if you can pronounce Timothy Chalamet, you can pronounce Hasan Minaj. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. You just get like, you just figure it out. You ask them how to pronounce it so that you can pronounce it correctly. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. And like, even kind of going off of that, Cal Penn, like his name is Culpin. But he wasn't getting right. callbacks because nobody wanted that name and, like, we're automatically like, oh, this is just an Indian guy. And then he changed it to Cal Penn is the name he goes by in Hollywood. And, like, then he had no problem. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was still playing people named Taj Mahal in movies. And but Kumar. But, like, right? yeah, he, he can't just go by Culpin. Right. He goes by Cal Penn. Mm-hmm. And then, like, yeah, it's you know. crazy. Yeah. It just – It's so upsetting to me. And like once this all comes out, you know, Andrea really does get over everything and is like, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. And like, you know, the Greek life in itself is not anti-Semitic, but like it would have been really interesting and maybe we'll get it in the future of like, correct Dan, tell him exactly what happened and be like, and honestly, now you're kind of the asshole. Right. Yeah, because it's – I think it's even worse that Dan is a grad student. Mm-hmm. And so he's been around this school presumably for at least four years. And so the notion that he still has this way of thinking and this perspective when he's been around it, to me, says that he never really looked into it. He heard one thing and or experienced one thing and it stuck and it it just kind of clouded everything else which totally understand that happens but this is an opportunity for him to learn from somebody else and understand what actually is the case and not just you know by one experience or something like that because look at Andrea she I mean she was wrong by all intents and purposes I mean I think she was right (laughs) clearly about Leslie but obviously not about the whole thing and now she's showing empathy toward Leslie because she's like, oh, that must be really hard for you, right? Like, she's she's probably thinking, like, that doesn't excuse your behavior, but I'm sorry you've had to go through that. Yeah. And that that's, you know, influenced your behavior. And I think that's the proper way to handle it. So I actually kind of – I guess what I'm trying to say is I commend the writers for that part of it, where they they had Andrea kind of learn from the situation and then show empathy because of it. Yeah. No, I mean – you know, we'll get there when we get there, but, like, I do really like a lot of what happened in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like nothing happened, but we've been talking for over an hour, and now I'm just like, this episode's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a lot more fun than I originally thought. Yeah. Well, because then the next thing that we see, and so we can talk the whole way through it, is Brandon going to have this, like, student senate meeting to talk about the Progressive Party platform and the idea that they just want to ban Greek life from 
the university. And they're like, think of how much of your student fees go to Greek life. And yeah, like I said earlier, we can put that towards, you know, childcare for single parents. I think they specifically say single mothers, but I think, you know, at this point we can say single parents and it Mm -hmm. is a little more inclusive. But Brandon makes a point of like, but what about all these other things that we can talk about? Like the the library is never open late. There's this, this, and this. And they're like, they have just honed in on like, no, we are getting rid of Greek life. That's what we mm-hmm. want to do. And apparently, because he goes to Keg House to warn them and they're just like, no, they do this every single year. Yeah. Don't they even call it like, like priority nine or something like that? Where yeah. It's they're like, like, oh, we've moved up this year. Yeah. 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 So yeah it's like they clearly the the keg house at least does not feel threatened and but they then appreciate brandon for like basically snitching (laughs) yeah they're like oh man you get to be an honorary brother because you don't want to join us but you've also said you don't want to join student uh senate because of this because he does walk out of the meeting and is like no i'm out i'm not gonna run for you guys right and also the keg house was disgusting. Ugh, like yeah. it's like the middle of the day and there's stuff all over the floor. Yeah. And I just feel like that's like a hundred percent of the time what frat houses look like. Yes. And like we've talked about this before of just like too many people are living in these houses. They're throwing parties every weekend. Like don't live there. Mm-hmm. Just, it just doesn't seem fun. It really doesn't. And like, yeah, I mean – that's it there. Like, that's actually where the episode ends because he's in the house and then, like, he and uh, Steve talk a little bit. But, like, that's it with Brandon and Student Senate and also Keg because I think, like Mary said earlier, like, I'm not going to join, but Steve, you get to have lots of new friends now. Mm-hmm. Toss the football back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did actually think it was kind of a weird ending because I was like, oh, it's over? Huh. I, I have a fun <laughs> fact about that, too. That's not where the episode originally ended. Interesting. They also – so original broadcast versions end with a scene in the Peach Pit where the girls decide to create their own sorority while singing Whatever Will Be Will Be by Doris Day. The scene is not on the DVD version. (laughs) I love your faces. Like, okay, but that would have given us closure on the entire plot. Yeah, this episode because like I don't think we get to see Brenda say that she's not gonna join the sorority. No, but also they would get to create their own. <laughs> like I just I don't know why they cut all of these things out. And I man, like I said, this was a very jam packed episode that originally felt like nothing happened, and now I'm just like so many things happened, and I feel like. You could have made this into two episodes, and if we get to a point in, like, episode 28 where it's just dragging and I hate it, I'm going to remember this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, then, like, the last thing that happened, which is really fun, and I loved it, was the next time they go into the radio station, Donna brings a dog. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, is such a visual gag for being on the radio, and I died. Mm-hmm. And David hates it, and he's like, this is stupid. You're just being mean. Nobody wants to listen to this. You're going to lose our three listeners. And then, because Donna's always right, 
she, you know, brings up something again to basically relate. Like, she essentially did what she did at the high school level where David was gone and Donna was just like, well, I'm going to talk about this thing. Like, I forget what it was now at this point. You guys will probably remember. But she talks about something and then boom, she's got like a show. Like, people are interested and she's confident and stuff. And it's like the same thing here where she just keeps talking and going along with this bit and, and all of that. And then all of a sudden the phones light up and they have listeners and callers. So... I think my favorite part about all of that is that Donna is appealing to a feminine audience and David just doesn't try that. He's just like speaking out to whoever happens to be there where she's like, hey, I know there's girls listening. Call and tell me this. And then they're like, they do. And David is just like kind of ignoring half of their demographic. Well, like not on purpose. It just doesn't occur to him that women listen to the radio well and it it feels very like david is just expecting like to not have to have a thing like i guess to relate it to us it would be like if we just decided out of nowhere to have a podcast the three of us nobody has ever listened to us we didn't like have a following already where we just talked about our own lives like that's not going to attract an audience but then donna you know has this idea of like you know, girls, let me know how, you know, you relate to uh, waiting up all night for a guy to call because Mm -hmm. that's how I feel right now. And then, like, let's talk about, like, how your boyfriend is compared to your dog. And, like, she's actually appealing to an audience where, yeah, like, we're doing a podcast about 90210. That makes us have an audience versus just, like, Mary, what did you do today? It's like, I worked. What did you do today? I also worked. Let us know what you did today, listeners. (laughs) Did you also work? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think with David, to your both of your points, it's like he just expects to play music, do a little bit of saying, call us, and then expects people to just call for no reason in particular. Yeah, just to chat. But like, yeah, you need to engage your audience. It's almost like he doesn't understand the marketing part. He's or just the like, but I'm part. on the radio. People want to talk to me. But I'm Brian yeah. Austin Green. Listen to me. Yeah, Which, like, my just... initials are bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I don't need promotion. I just need to exist. And if we, as women, as just humans in general, know things don't grow and things don't have a shot to grow if you don't put proper backing behind it. Yeah. Because then... Like, if you don't, you, you can't expect, you know, huge growth or huge increase in followers, followers or viewership or whatever it is you're trying to do unless you have support on the back end. Which, yeah, like, then they get a whole bunch of calls and David realizes that he's being a little butthead and Donna starts picking up the phone and, like, engaging with the audience. And, you know, we already talked about how the episode actually ends, so technically that's it. Mm-hmm. So did I get your quote of the week? Well, does Mary have a guess first? I have two guesses. Hang on. Um, it's metal rap. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> and then Andrea, when talking to Dan, said, the minute someone shows a little enthusiasm, the cynics of the world get nervous. I forgot about that one. That's a good one. Yeah. So that's an interesting – those are interesting guesses because – on the one hand, 
like there's humor, right? Like one, like both two quotes there are more humor based on the guesses, and the other is more like philosophical or like meaningful. So, um, yeah, I will reveal it, and it is in fact. I'll give you a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> And it's what starts following you the second you get home, blah, 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 blah. It's the dog one. Because for me, it was less about the actual joke or the riddle because I was like, I I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it does, but like, eh, it wasn't a great riddle. (laughs) It was more the delivery of it and then the ending of it and just the fact that Donna was so sassy and it was just, it felt powerful. So that's why I chose it. But I also, it was actually between that and... Well, there's always 911 from Donna just because, again, I love her sass. It was more the sass than anything else. Yeah, yeah. and that's why I went for it because, like, when she does, like, woof, woof, D-O-G, dog, like, that's not necessarily a great line like the Cynic's line, but, like, that delivery mm-hmm. crushes it. Yeah. Yeah. Give you a little hint on how I pick my quotes of the week. If it's delivered really well and if it's just, like, I don't know, like, it, it it's kind of like if it's a throwaway line but delivered really well, typically I'll find it and I'll like it. No. Oh, I'm also, so glad. I just want to say, writers, please learn how to write apologies for men because I owe you an apology is not an apology. Like, you have to follow up that sentence by, with, I'm sorry. Like... I wrote down, I was like, I owe you an apology, proceeds to not apologize. <laughs> He's just like, I, I've grown up since high school. Like, no, that's not an apology. That's a fucking but, excuse and yeah. a cop out. And I'm sorry are words that you can put in a script, I'm pretty sure. Mm, that yeah. doesn't sound right. You can't just say bankruptcy. I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like this has happened a couple of times and like, if not in this show, then like a lot of shows where like apologies will be like, I owe you an apology or I'm sorry you feel that way. Where it's like, that's not apologies. Nope. Right. If someone says, I'm sorry you feel that way, that's that's nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. yeah that's trash. That, that's exactly. garbage. That's saying like you had a feeling that was incorrect. So you're wrong. That's not saying like, oh, crap, I made you feel bad. Yeah. Like, like I'm sorry the you feeling. messed up yes. by interpreting what I said incorrectly. Right. Ugh. Anyway. But that's that's neither here nor there because literally nobody said that in this episode. <laughs> um, so would you grade it? Do you I have mean, a grade? Well, I initially was thinking about giving it like a B minus, but I actually might change that into like a B plus. Um Maybe even an A minus, honestly, but um, I didn't have a B word. Maybe it's I know what I want to do. Yeah, I was gonna do <laughs> B plus for bye, babe. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with the B plus for bye, babe. Because like, I think the only reason I can't give it an A is because of how we're seeing it now, where those scenes are cut that I yeah. don't think should have been cut. I think if those scenes yeah. were included, A, no problem. I think so too. Yeah. Definitely, because those were those sound like better scenes than a couple that we got. So, yeah. So, like, I'm it's pretty really curious. I'm pretty satisfied with the B plus, and I, I wonder. It's probably impossible to find it online anywhere if it was not in the DVDs and it's not on streaming. But maybe I'll yeah. try. Yeah, I wonder how you'd access it. But anyway, well, 
Um, next week, we've got season four, episode five, Radio Days. Ooh, interesting. And it's D-A-Z-E, not like the days of the week. Interesting. I'm very curious to see how this radio show is going to keep going because I feel like that's like a great place to like inject some drama into the show. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm actually really looking forward to that episode. Cool. Yeah. Well, until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast And you can send us your thoughts, questions, any correspondence um, to our email address. That's backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, leave us a review, all those kinds of things on your podcast app. If you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out. Um, We definitely use that kind of stuff to like get more seen, to get feedback from y'all. Like it's all just good things. So go there. As many stars as you can. (laughs) We like five. Yeah, five sounds like a good round number. It sounds like a really nice number. But hey, if it's not a five, tell us why, and we'll make some changes. Tell us privately. (laughs) Yeah, tell us (laughs) privately. So yeah. Yeah, that wraps it up from from all of us at Back to Podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. I'm Mary. Bye. Bye. See ya.